You are listening to the People First podcast. People First is a self-advocacy group run by people with learning disabilities. And People First podcast is a platform to raise awareness about real issues that affect people with learning disabilities in our community and all around the world. We aim to inform and entertain our listeners by interviewing interesting guests and talking about the things that really matter to us. This is like having a stage to speak out and get our voices heard. Winter is coming. 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 Winter is on its way, but there are no need to worry because this episode of the broadcast will help you get ready for the cold winter months. On this episode, we spoke to NHS Learning Disabilities Nurse. Aesthetic Health Facilitator Vicky Donnelly about the hospital passports, the annual health checks and staying healthy in winter. You will also hear repeat of our menu system segment. Some of this info is specific to the UK listeners who are fortunate to have a national health service to help us stay healthy. Whatever you are in the world and a hospital passport is a very useful thing to have. So we will be sharing the links of our templates that we use on all our social medias. I hope you enjoy the show. Our first guest this week is Vicky Donnelly. Vicky works for the NHS and she has come to talk to us about hospital passports. Hello Vicky, thanks for joining us today. Hi Tom, it's nice to be here. We invited Vicky here today to ask her about hospital passports, so it might be an obvious question. I have to ask, what is a hospital passport? Okay, so hospital passports um, have been around for a little while now and they are basically a document that you take with you when you go into hospital that helps the hospital understand how best to support you. So it talks a bit about things that are important to you, about medical conditions you might have and really just lets the hospital staff know the easiest way to work with you. Who should have an hospital passport? Well, we work with people with learning disabilities and hospital passports are are something that we really promote for people with learning disabilities because sometimes people with learning disabilities can't always tell the hospital staff the important information about them. Sometimes people go into hospital on their own, so it's important to have that information documented somewhere. But actually, some places use hospital passports for for other people as well, so people maybe who who have got dementia um, uh, or are vulnerable for other reasons. So in Bradford specifically, or at Bradford and Airedale, we use hospital passports for people with learning disabilities, but you could use them for lots of other people as well. 
How should our listeners go about making their own hospital passports? Okay, so people can make their own hospital passports if you if they want to, but we do have a template that's available um, that we can share with people. So if anybody wants a copy of that template, we can either send it to Keithley People First, or people can contact me directly. Um, and if you use the template that we provide, then actually the hospitals recognise that already, and so they know to ask people for that one. And the template that we use in Bradford uh, is familiar to Airedale Hospital and Bradford Teaching Hospitals, and it's also the same hospital passport that's used in Calderdale. So if you go into some of the other hospitals, they'll, they'll be familiar with using the same hospital passport. What should we do once we have made a hospital passport? Okay, so once you've got a hospital passport, I think one of the really important things to do is make sure that you keep it up to date. So sometimes people end up going into hospital and their hospital passport is, is a bit old and it might not have the right information on it anymore and so that makes it then difficult for the hospital staff to support people so it's important to make sure that you keep all the information on your passport up to date and relevant so if you become poorly with a, a new health condition you need to add that to your hospital passport there's some things on it where it talks about things like medication that we've realized actually it's not a good idea to say exactly what medication people are on because that can change quite often. What's more useful is the hospital staff knowing how people like to take their medication. So if people like to take their tablets with a bit of jam so it's easier for them to swallow it, then that's what we would like to include on the hospital passport. Um, so it's, it's making sure it's got the really important information about you and how to support your health needs. Um, for the hospital staff to know. Do you find that having a hospital passport improves the hospital experience for the patients and staff? So I don't think we've done any proper research or any proper checks to see whether the hospital passport really, really makes a big difference to people. But I think we get lots of feedback certainly from the hospitals themselves where they've found the information on the hospital passport to be quite useful and sometimes it means that for the person they're not having to be asked the same questions again and again because the information should be on the hospital passport so um, I think the, the feedback generally is that, that they are positive. How did you find your way to working for the NHS at what he loves. Okay, so so I'm a nurse. I qualified as a nurse um, about 25 years ago now. And when I applied to be a nurse, I applied to be a general nurse, like the nurses that work in the hospitals. Um, and before I went to do my training, I worked in a residential home, and it was a residential home for people with learning disabilities. And up until that stage, I didn't actually realize that you could do learning disability nursing. And I really loved that job. That was one of my favorite jobs, working with people with learning disabilities. So I changed from doing general nurse training to doing learning disability nurse training. And then when I first qualified, uh, I've had a few different jobs, but I came to Waddy Loves about 20 two years ago now and 
it is just the best job so I have just stayed there ever since because I think there's so much variety you work with so many different people you do so many different things I just really like working um, with people with learning disabilities and also the other people the other staff at, in the team at Wadi Loves uh, are all really enthusiastic and, and I feel like we do a really good job most of the time. We hear a lot about the NHS being being under a lot of pressure at the moment. Are there any things our listeners can do to relieve some of the stress on the NHS? Okay, so I think there's a couple of things that people can do. So staying healthy in the first place is a good thing, isn't it? You know, trying not to smoke or eat unhealthily or drink too much alcohol. Um, all of those sorts of things keep people healthier in the first place but then there's other things we can do like using the chemists maybe a bit more than than gps in the hospital straight away because chemists can do lots of things to help people now um and then i think um there are definitely things that we can do around supporting people when they're going into hospital that maybe makes better use of the resources so sometimes people miss a hospital appointments and, and that wastes wastes resources, doesn't it? Sometimes people don't realise that actually the hospital would benefit from knowing information about them before they go. So when we talk about people with learning disabilities, we often talk about things like flagging, don't we, and making sure that the hospitals know that somebody has a learning disability so they can do some work with them perhaps before they come into hospital to prepare them for going into hospital. And that doesn't always happen. So that means sometimes people have appointments that that aren't used very well or the way they have to go back again because they haven't got all the information that they needed in the first place so i think using some of the specialist services around and having right flagging in place for people so that we can identify those reasonable adjustments that people need before they go into hospital could often help make sure that we use the services properly where can the people find more information about hospital passports Okay, so I think there's there's lots of places. If you if you have a, access to a computer and you can do a search on Google for hospital passports, the NHS has some good websites. So there's nhs.uk that has a hospital passport on on the websites there. There's all sorts of different hospital passports available. Um, so if you if you put that search in, you will find things for other areas. You'll find hospital passports that are specifically for people with autism. You'll find hospital passports that are specifically for people with learning disabilities. So it might just be worth having a look there. And, and as I said before, if people want to contact me, I'm happy to share the template that we use locally. What is an annual health check? Okay, so annual health checks for people with learning disabilities have been in place for quite a few years now and they are there to help support people make sure they get their health needs met. So there's lots of conversations nationally about the fact that people with learning disabilities don't always get their health needs met and so having an annual health check is a bit of a way to try and increase awareness for people about their health and some of the stuff they need to do. It's a bit like an MOT that you have for your car. And so once a year, your GP should invite you in and then they do some checks, like they do your blood pressure and they do your pulse and they'll weigh you and they might take some of your blood 
and they might give you an, e an ECG, so they might check how your heart works and they'll talk to you about the medicine that you take and they'll talk to you about your eyes and your ears and your teeth and all sorts of other things and then they should give you a health action plan at the end of that to tell you what you need to do to keep healthy and well for the next year until they see you again. Is an annual health check available for everyone? Okay, so GP practices all have what's called a learning disability register. So they have a list of people who are patients in their practice who have learning disabilities. And anybody who's on that learning disability register who's over the age of 14 um, is entitled to have an annual health check. And like it says, it's annual, so it's once a year. So once a year, your GP um, invites you in, or you can ring your GP and say, can I come in for my annual health check, please? So anybody with a learning disability over the age of 14 is entitled to have an annual health check. How long does it normally take? So they vary a little bit. Some GP practices, because there's quite a lot of information in them, so like I've said already, sometimes um, you can have your bloods taken and sometimes you might have an ECG. So for some people, they might go to the, to the doctors and have their annual health check and they can do all of those things in one go. So it might take half an hour, 40 minutes maybe. Some people don't want to be in the doctors for that long, so they might come and do a little bit of the annual health check and then they might come back at another day and have their bloods taken separately or the ECG done separately. So some people might go for shorter amounts of time but go for more appointments. Usually they take between 20 and 40 minutes. Is there anything else that should be asked if people have their annual health check? So one of the other really important things for people with learning disabilities is having the cancer screening tests done that are available to everybody. So things like breast cancer and cervical cancer and bowel cancer screening. We know that people with learning disabilities don't access those cancer screening programs as much as everybody else does. And we would really like to make sure that people do because those tests are really important to try and um, catch cancers early and, and stop cancers developing. So within the annual health check, template one of the questions that the person who's who's doing the annual health check should ask you is whether you have been for your cancer screenings where can our listeners get more information about annual health check well i would always say start with talking to your gp practice so start by giving them a ring and asking whether you can come and have your flu jab and whether you can come and have an annual health check and then we do have some easy read leaflets about annual health checks and they are on btm's website i don't know if you want to give btm's website address tom yeah it's www.btm.org.uk and there's a section on there called easy read should all be on there yeah the easy read leaflets on there isn't it yeah what other tips can you give us to stay healthy this winter Okay, well, I think it's always important, isn't it, to eat well and to drink plenty of fluids and to wrap up warm when you're going out in the cold, making sure you've got your hats and scarves and gloves and things on and good shoes so you don't get wet feet. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know the when the weather's like it has been. It's it, you don't really want to go outside, do you? You sort of stay in your house and stay nice and warm. But actually, it's good to get outside and get a bit of fresh air. I think as long as you're prepared and dressed appropriately for the weather. <laughs> Many thanks to Vicky for coming to talk to us today. COVID-19 pandemic has got a lot of people thinking about their health and well-being. As well as getting vaccinated, washing your hands, social distancing and wearing a mask. The best way to protect yourself from any illness is to keep your immune system healthy. Here's our top five tips to keep your immune system fighting fit. Number one, stay hydrated. It is very important to drink plenty of water. An adult should be drinking at least eight glasses of water a day, particularly during the summer months. Drinking plenty of water gives you more energy, helps you concentrate, and can stop you craving unhealthy foods. Number two, get more sleep. Not getting enough sleep not only affects your mood and energy levels but we now know that it weakens your immune system making you more likely to get ill so turn off your phone and treat yourself to an early night your immune system will thank you number three get more vitamin d our body makes vitamin d when we are exposed to sunshine and from certain foods vitamin d is essential for a healthy immune system and sometimes we all struggle to get out and about outside especially when the weather's bad. Vitamin D is a very cheap supplement to buy from a chemist and eggs and oily fish are a great source of vitamin D. Number four, eat plenty of fruit and veg. We all know that it, it is important to eat fresh fruits and vegetables as much as we can. But did you know that red peppers, broccoli, chicken, yoghurt and garlic can all help to boost your immune system? Ginger and lemon tea is also a delicious and easy way to help your immune system. You can buy ginger and lemon tea bags at your local supermarket. Number five, get some exercise. Now that the weather is nicer, try getting out and about a bit more. Exercise is great for your physical and mental health and it also gives your immune system a big boost. Remember to take some water with you and if it's very sunny, remember to put on some sun cream or a hat. Thank you for listening to the show. 